There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, what's going on there then? <laughs> what is going on? What have we just witnessed? I mean, there'd been all this promise of... Ange Postacoglu football, front foot, playing exciting, I don't know, whatever, passages of play, patterns of play, all this type of stuff. But we were always told it's going to take some time. And yes, yes, it still might take some time. I do totally appreciate this. However, that is the best I've seen Tottenham play football since... Let's be honest, like 2017-18, all right, shout out to the away game at Manchester City when Harry Kane had an absolute stormer, we played pretty well that day, but that football today, dominating possession, (laughs) making chance after chance after chance, everybody working for each other, everybody moving, it's... It's just it's the type of football we've been like just craving since Pete Pochettino, and he's got it here already. I mean, there's there's young players there. It's a, it's a, a largely refreshed squad. Oh, I don't know. I need to collect my thoughts. I'm just a bit I'm a bit all over the place because that was absolutely sensational. That was, I mean, that was amazing. It was beautiful to watch. I mean, Bissouma, Saar, Madison, Udoji, everyone was great. But those those four in particular, Jesus, man, like, just so good. Just so good. Saar, I I mean, I, I said on Twitter, I need to drastically revise my SAR timeline I think because the the lad looked like an absolute world beater today he looked absolutely unbelievable um just amazing just properly properly amazing um there's a lot to process there is a lot to process but beating Manchester United Now there's only one team left, there's only one team, Premier League team left, that has played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and not lost, and that's Liverpool. It's an interesting fact I discovered before. uh, I mean, I didn't discover it. I I found it on the BBC, (laughs) on the BBC match preview. But still, I mean, acting, (laughs) acting like I've done some kind of investigation and I've uncovered something I I just read a match preview that's all I did Um, but still they pointed out on there that United and Liverpool are the only two Premier League teams that have played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and not lost and now it's just Liverpool 
Because, I mean, quite obviously, yes, well done, Jack. Tottenham Hotspur beat Manchester United 2-0. I'm going to go in on first. Roy Keane wasn't at the game, as you can see. I'm actually dog-sitting at the moment. This isn't this isn't my house either. Um, it's very nice, though. So, you know. Anyway, uh, the, uh, the punditry, Sky Sports' punditry... Gary Neville, throughout the entirety of the first half, was intimating, if not pretty much outrightly saying Spurs were kind of being a bit arrogant, that Spurs were approaching the game, you know, in too open a fashion, leaving themselves prone for counter-attacks, that if Manchester United can be a bit more clinical, blah, 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 blah. He was digging out Porro quite a lot, and I guess maybe that's one bit of criticism I will take on board, but still, he was digging out Porro a lot, just talking about how, you know, he thinks he's Cancelo and Rodri rolled into one, that, you know, that, that we're going to be, you know, it's a matter of time before Manchester United take advantage of it, all this type of stuff, and I'm thinking like, what are you on about? Like, number one, why is it that we always have to have either Alan Smith commentating for us or generally one of the United Mafia or Jamie Carragher? Is there nobody else? Is there nobody Tottenham that we can have on Sky Sports ever at all? I mean, whatever. I'm not that bothered because that means we'll probably just end up with someone like, you know, Jermaine Genus or someone who pretends to be Tottenham who, you know, loves to fucking stick the foot in every now and again but whatever that wound me up but when half time came Roy Keane was honestly he absolutely rattled me Roy Keane was going on and on and on about Tottenham about how arrogant we were about how we were approaching the game that we were he actually used the words there for the taking if United get themselves sorted out, Tottenham are there for the taking. I mean, <laughs> what? I get it, right? I get it. Yeah, shock horror. One of Manchester United's legends is going to be pro Man United. I do, I do totally appreciate that fact. However, at the same time, they didn't look that good. All right, I think they had a few more shots than us in that first half, but still, they weren't like barnstorming or anything like that. And more to the fact that they it's not like they're Fergie's Manchester United anymore. They've been dross for years now. What? So we're not gonna go at Man United. I don't I don't know. I'm clearly still rattled, but that's it. It's Adam and somebody let me find who it was. Absolutely brilliant um tweet. I'm guessing he was in the ground because this is absolutely fantastic. Where is it? If you go on to, I've I've retweeted it on my Twitter feed, but it was from Woody at underscore the underscore Spaniard. <laughs> he's he's got a picture from the stand, looking up to Roy Keane just staring out the window, looking forlorn. It's it's absolutely sensational. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, because he deserved that. He absolutely deserved it. They they all did. It's, you know, it's mad. It's mad that they 
I get it, right? I do get this whole thing. People are talking about this is the mentality of a club. This is what they, you know, this is why they're winners and why teams like Tottenham, like. But bore me later, man. Like, absolutely bore me later because Tottenham have every right to, <laughs> to go at a team like Manchester United who, let's be honest, have not been a relevant force for almost if not actually a decade now. And I get it, right? They would say, well, yeah, we've won the Europa League, we've won two or three League Cups, I think they won an FA Cup. More relevant than Tottenham, you, you know, whatever. Yeah, okay, I get that. But also, you lot have spent about a billion pounds and all you fucking do is bang on about how you're the best team in the world, you know? And, sorry, you just... Really? Are you that much better than Tottenham anymore? Are you we definitely not better than Arsenal at the moment? Um, I don't know. We hear a lot of this before the game. We've been hearing a lot of about you know them being back. That Ten Hag is this revelation, and I think probably when you have been watching some of the football they have for the past few years, they are going to cling to at least a, a, a growing sense of identity, uh, a momentum that is at least more positive. But is Ten Hag going to be like their Pep, their Klopp, dare I say their Arteta? Don't know about that. I'm not so sure about that at all. Because um, I don't see much from them that screams, you know, they're back. I don't see much from them that says they're going to be a title contender. The second game of the season, I appreciate that, but still... They didn't look particularly good against Wolves and they definitely didn't look very good here because that second half, we were absolutely dominant. We were just absolutely dominant. Chance after chance, some of the football we're playing, just this kind of, when we talk about this fluid front three, I don't even think it's like a front three. It's just <laughs> the team are just fluid. The way they are moving around, it's, it's unpredictable. You can see what we're doing. You can see how basically somebody is always providing an option for whoever's on the ball. It, it seems fairly like elementary, doesn't it? Um, accidental Sherlock Holmes, you know. <laughs> but it, it seems like the sort of thing that you just do, doesn't it? Like, but ever you know, they don't seem to, and we definitely haven't been doing that for the past few years, and now we suddenly are. Um, and I did say, I'm sorry to to say, Ben, um, just to you know, share our WhatsApp correspondence without your consent. But I did sort of say to Ben uh, when we were one 0 up, I was like, we look, yeah, you know, we were both saying how brilliant we look, how amazing it was. But I was saying, dare I say, if we had Harry Kane, we'd be three 0 up. And he said, maybe, but. Do you not think that maybe some of these lads now are not... Nobody's hiding. Everybody's stepping up. Everybody knows now that they have to make something happen. They have to be the guy that scores or the guy that provides a goal. Because Harry Kane isn't there to do that anymore. And that could well be a very good point. Remains to be seen, but... it's There's definitely something in that. Because... It's just the energy that went into that. And 
I just, I cannot believe, I honestly cannot believe that Postacoglu has managed to get us playing this way already. And this isn't to say this is how it's going to look every week. And this isn't to say that Tottenham are back and that we're going to, you know, make a fist for top four or anything like that. I'm still very much taking each game as it comes. But I was fully expecting days like today to be a disappointing but heartening loss. A loss that we can take something from. Or a hard-fought draw. Something like that, right? An exciting draw. But to not only be that... What's the best word I can put? Attacking in our intent, yet to be so dominating, to be so controlling of the game, is astounding. It's astounding. And it's in no part down to some utterly fantastic individual performances but as a team as a collective the spirit there the belief there we've had, we've had a dodgy come out and talk about the 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 spirit the fact he likes the coach Postacoglu, the mentality he's breeding in them we've had Mickey van der Ven this week coming out and saying how much he loves the coach how much he loves Ange the philosophies he's bestowing unto him I'm going to bring him up again, but Harry Kane, before he left, all the word was that he might not actually even mind staying at Spurs that much because, you know what, he's already seen a lot to be hopeful for um, in his short time working with Ange Postacoglu. Obviously, that one wasn't meant to be, but there's obviously an aura around this guy. There's a quiet confidence in him, which he said he didn't like everybody singing his song i mean he he liked it but he said that he felt that he didn't deserve it he felt that it was blind faith from people and it makes him conscious of the fact that he has to repay that faith and i get it i like i like that sort of level of humility to him and i don't think it's just like you know this type of type of humble braggy stuff i think he is also genuinely making the point that i haven't done anything yet there's still a long road to go let's not get too excited yet I do understand that point, but from our perspective, we've had years now, years of miserable, false hope, of boring football, of signings, just not even, you know, I mean, not hitting the ground running is an understatement, you know, for, for, for some of them. And there's just a lot of positive change here right not only in the way that we're playing football but like I say in those in those players okay Basuma we signed last year but he genuinely is like a new signing and I said it at the start of the season I'm not the only one saying it loads of people are saying it it's not just that trite throwaway kind of boring observation to make he's like a new signing he genuinely is I mean the bloke is abs when you're talking about Moses Casido going for what 110 million? Talking about Lucas Lavia going for is it? No, it's not Lucas Lavia, is it? What's his name? Romeo Lavia. I'm thinking of who am I thinking of? Luke, <laughs> Lucas Lavia, aren't I? Fucking hell. Um, Jesus, <sighs> sort it out. Um, going for huge fees. You know, Declan Rice going for 110 million pounds. 
We got Basuma last year for about 25 mil. We'd all forgotten about him. Bloke is absolutely sensational. Um, we'll talk more about the players individually in a minute. But just that performance today. We've all said that we want something to believe in. That we want football that we can enjoy. We want personnel that we can believe in. We want somebody like Ange Postacoglu. Somebody that actually you know, embodies the values and the principles of the club. People would say, oh, clubs don't have DNA, it's all bollocks, and, you know, there isn't a, a, a certain club way of doing things. But there is. There is, and I don't buy that, you know? I don't buy that. You have to stand for something. There is something that you're supporting here. Okay, you know, a lot of us are supporting this this team because of family, because of, you know, proximity, or because of family. But many of us now, it's a, it's a brave new world. The Premier League's a, a global game. It's an international game, you know. Plenty of people that listen to this. I see all the different locations that people listen to this podcast from. Maybe some of those are expats. Yeah, sure. But, you know, plenty of Americans, plenty of Australians, plenty of people all across Europe. Whatever. I don't know. It sounds like some stupid humble brag now. I'm not doing it in that way. My point is... that people are going to be drawn to football clubs for various different reasons. I know from having done some tweets about this before, what's drawn a lot of Americans to Tottenham is the whole mythology around the club. Is playing football the right way? Is number one being the underdog? I was not aware, but apparently, you know, my understanding of, you know, American sporting culture is that they love the winner, that they love, you know, losers are second place, you're top of the losers, and that that doesn't matter. You have to win, win, win. Everyone has to be the best. But I actually come to understand that a large part of American sporting culture is rooting for the underdog. Um, and I think that's that's a fairly universal thing. But it seemed to be, anyway, from a lot of the you know American Spurs fans who were talking to me, this, this was a couple of years ago now, it was during lockdown, and I was just, you know, I don't know, I can't remember how I got onto it. Um they're just saying that yeah, one of the big things about Tottenham is the the sense that they do things the right way, they play nice football, and that you can you can sort of you know hitch up to Tottenham and not be accused of being a glory supporter, but also know that they are an underdog that is maybe capable of doing something special. One of these days they might be able to to get there doing that. And I've sort of digressed from my original point, but my original point is that we have to have certain values, certain principles that we stick to. We can't just allow ourselves to say, oh, it's it's all nonsense. It's all just, you know, all of this is just transient, that it changes with each new face through the door. Because, no, that, that doesn't breed, you know, a culture at a club. That doesn't breed any sense of dynasty, of anything and it means that you end up like we have done for the past few years and dare I say like Manchester United have done for the past years signing any old player who doesn't fit any type of cohesive vision or plan or anything like that you just have some blokes you have some blokes who wear your shirt and go out and get paid money to kick the ball about win some games lose some games draw some games and nobody really cares because it doesn't stand for anything because you're not locked into any type of philosophy. You're not locked into any ethos. All that you have is this nebulous concept of winning, of winning. We've got to win big stuff or else we're losers and everyone will make fun of us on social media. 
But it doesn't stand for anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's nonsense. And now we've actually got this guy, Anthropostokoglu, who everybody told me when I was sceptical, and I'll give you a shout-out, Jack, debaser. Um, he said to me, look, mate, I watched a lot of Celtic. Just give it a chance. I'm telling you, mate, this fella is Tottenham. He is Tottenham. Like, he just is. And I can't... That's the only way I can put it. That's not exactly what Jack said to me, but it was along those lines. And you just feel it now. I mean, to me, like, he's... He's like a, he's like a Martin Yole regen, you know? He, he... I feel that same sense of excitement when... We got, you know, for anyone that wasn't sort of watching Spurs at that point, um, we signed Martin Yol as the number two to Jacques Santini, who had just been France's national team manager. He had something of a reputation. It was seen as a not quite a glamour hire, but it was seen as a serious appointment, at least for Tottenham. It was a big appointment and it was serious. And it was just a catastrophe. It was awful. It was like another Nuno Espirito Santo. It was, you could see straight away that the football was boring. Nobody was buying it. Nobody was believing in him. We had no idea what we were. And it was just another false dawn for Tottenham. And then out of nowhere, Martin Yol comes in. And he take he takes the job. And there's a joke like Martin Yol back then. He was he was a, he was a very funny guy. And maybe football's changed a bit, but I think at that point the club still used to do like the AGMs where they'd get the fans in and all that type of thing. And Martin Yol used to tell some very funny stories about the time he was like, you know, oh, well, don't worry. I always knew I was going to be number one because Daniel Levy said to me, this other guy's shit, but he's got a bigger reputation than you. So, you know, we know in a few games time he'll he'll quit and then we'll make you number one. Kind of. It, it's obviously a joke, but... It was just, he had a very good way of speaking like that. And that's kind of what it was like, you know, they, we brought in Martin Yole to be the number one and we were like, well, okay, well, I don't know about this. It's suddenly this assistant manager. Um, but, you know, apparently he's always supported Tottenham and he's he's got a bit about him and he, you know, he likes to play attacking football. And he always said the right things he said about, you know, the ethos of the club and about playing football the right way, playing this attacking style and then bang, it just took it took no time at all under Yol. And that was, the funny thing is for me, that was the first time in my life as a Spurs fan when Spurs were actually decent. Like under Martin Yol, that was the first time I'd watched us properly and people suddenly started to sit up and take notice of us. And we suddenly started playing football. We started winning games away from home. Like most of my experience up until that point watching Spurs we never won away from home. I mean, mean, like we didn't statistically, we'd still won away from home. I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying that we rarely ever won games away from home. And I think that was kind of a bit of a Premier League thing for quite some time, to be honest. Most of the time, if you weren't a top club, you tried your best to win your home games because you knew that you weren't going to win your away games. I, I feel like it probably wasn't just a Spurs issue that. But um, anyway, when Martin Yole came along, we actually started winning stuff um, and we started playing football. Started playing football in a way that I'd never seen Tottenham do it. And it just felt like a natural fit. It just felt like he was an older guy who knew 
in a not arrogant way, he could do the job. He knew, he understood that people were going to doubt him. He understood that he didn't have the big reputation, but also he knew what it took to win, to inspire footballers. And you just feel that completely from Ange Postacoglu. I feel that completely from him, that he is just somebody that he backs himself. And I'm sure he backs himself an awful lot more in in private quarters than he lets on. He's very humble, and I don't think it's fake humble. He's or faux humble, isn't it? I think that's the term. I don't think he's faux humble in press conferences and all that type of thing. I think he's I think he's very genuine when he says that he wants to earn people's respect and everything. But I do think he knows in a way that, you know, not a lot of people like to admit when they know they're good at something. But I think he knows he's good. I think he knows he's the shit, if I'm brutally honest. Um, he backs himself. He backs himself to, like I was, I was saying in the pre-match preview, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to, to Australians, um, but I'm sure you all know, because you're football fans in Australia, and I'm sure you are all pulling your hair out, as Ange Postacoglu was saying, of the Matildas and their World Cup campaign how good it's been to inspire Australia, a typically non-footballing country, into into watching football, into taking notice of it. But I'm sure you will know you'll be pulling your hair out of how unseriously football is taken still. It, it's definitely changing, right? But it's, you know, it's different. That's why a lot of you are staying up till Christ knows when to watch us play, watch us play in pubs and bars and everything across the world. The fact that Ange Postacoglu has come from a culture, essentially, that doesn't back football, that doesn't really take it seriously. Win the Euro, well, not the Euros, you know what I mean? The the regional cup, the Asian cup with Australia. The fact he's come over to the UK. He's become manager of Celtic. Yeah, one of the biggest, let's be honest again, one of the biggest football clubs on the face of the planet. Historically speaking, their league doesn't do them any favours. The league that they're in doesn't do them any favours, but yeah, that's the rub, isn't it? Um, he's come over there, done a great job, and now he's in the Premier League. First ever Australian manager in the Premier League. Um, I don't need to tell any of you that. I'm just, you know, spitting. Um, it's, it's astonishing. And you can tell he... He does back himself, and too fucking right, mate, because I've watched Spurs for long enough now, and many of us have watched Spurs for long enough, to know when something feels right, and when you can tell pretty swiftly that it doesn't. I'll be brutally honest, even when we were doing well under Antonio Conte, it never felt right. Nothing about him was Tottenham. Never was. Same with Jose Mourinho. Nuno Espirito Santo, you know, a, a fairly unlucky guy in some respects. I mean, he was lucky in that he got the Tottenham job in the first place, but it just, you know, whatever. We don't need to talk about that. But in Ange Postacoglu, he is Tottenham. He has inspired this group of players to not only get over the loss of Harry Kane, the talisman, but he's gotten a buzz around the club again. He really has. Like, look at it. You know, we're suddenly like enjoying watching Tottenham again. 
I was absolutely buzzing about today. And there was that bit of me that felt like going into this. Didn't expect it, but there was a bit of me that felt like we can have something today. But I, I just want to reiterate, I was not expecting that type of performance because that was truly, truly sensational. That was obscene. Obscene. What a performance. Um, and this isn't to say it's going to be like this every week. Wake. This isn't to say it's going to be like this every week. It isn't to say that we're not going to have any sort of, you know, bumps in the road, that things aren't going to be difficult. The, you know, he's warned us of this. And there are probably going to be times when we're going to need to be patient and we're going to need to get on side and, you know, remember what we've done today and try and keep faith in, in him and the system and everything. But this guy is proper. <laughs> this guy is proper. He is proper. And my word, my word, we looked absolutely fucking fantastic today. Let's do the players. Let's do the players. Tottenham, Man United. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Vicario, you know what? He's come under a lot of stick from me these past few weeks. He was absolutely sensational today, I thought. He seemed suddenly like, yeah, he's 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 kind of he's getting it a bit more now. He's getting to grips with it. He's here, he's arrived, and he's our keeper, and to just, you know, to deal with it, to get on with it. Couple of phenomenal reflex saves. Um I can't remember what the the first one was it maybe Bruno Fernandez I think Bruno Fernandez it was like a full that was me doing some um goalkeeping there I think it was a fully outstretched kind of dive up into one of the corners and then Casemiro as well that header that he he just got on the end of some decent he came out at the right times now it's like he's already learned from his mistake against Brentford it felt like he was timing his runs perfectly to to get in the way of the ball. Um, very good performance. Very solid distribution. Okay, maybe maybe slightly put slightly under pressure in the first half, but that's the way we play. And Andrew Postacoglu said that, so I don't think that's about the goalkeeper per se. Um, yeah, he's he's good. And I'm gonna be honest. I do. I think he's all right, but I also I look at Onana, who Manchester United have just spent a lot of money on. Obviously, we're, you know, uniquely aware of 
Onana as well from the Ajax game. Um, I wouldn't be buzzing if we had him in goal. That's all I'm going to say. Destiny Adagi. What can I say? Like, what, what can I say? The lad is a star boy. He just is. He is absolutely phenomenal. He has it all. He has the physical attributes, the technical attributes, the mental attributes, all of it. I mean, I'm not inside his head, so I don't know exactly what his mental attributes are, but be 20 years old and come into the Premier League like this, back yourself and look as good as he has done. To be shouting at Sonny, the club captain, when he didn't pass the ball to him, it's something else, man. Like, the kid is unreal. He's absolutely sensational. What a signing. What a signing. Mickey van der Ven, good, solid enough performance. He maybe kind of got caught out a couple of times in the first half a little bit, but seemed like he learned from his mistakes pretty sharpish because second half he was solid. Solid as a rock, brilliant, absolutely fantastic. Um, him and Romero look pretty tidy together, don't they? Um, because... Manchester United are a team that really, they can hurt you. Like, they're no mugs, are they? Marcus Rashford, I'm just looking for their team now. Marcus Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, I mean, Anthony, Mason Mount, just, what was he even doing today? Um, Garnacho, who a lot of people rave about. Um, you know, whatever. Maybe he's all right, I don't know. Um, people, people have said, I've seen a lot of discussion about whether or not Marcus Rashford, and it, a lot of it stems from the kind of Mourinho, cult Mourinho shit, because Mourinho once said that Marcus Rashford can't play down the middle. Um, I didn't think he looked that good today, actually. But I love Marcus Rashford, um, not just for his kind of, you know, off-pitch stuff. I think he's a genuinely brilliant player. I, You know, he's the sort of player I'd happily see Spurs drop a lot of money on, but, you know, it's not going to happen, let's be honest. I'm just, just saying... Um, but that was, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a great performance from Van de Ven. Romero is solid, absolutely solid. If that's, if that's, if this is Romero now, Vice Captain Romero, the Romero we've been crying out for, who grows up a bit, realises his importance to the team, steps up, is counted, is reliable, basically like he is for Argentina, then we're laughing. There's been... I've always I've always gone on about this as much as I've I've complained about Romero in the past. I've always defaulted back to got the receipts, listen back to the old episodes. I've always defaulted back to how good he was in that World Cup final, how brilliant he was, and if we could get that Romero, we'd be laughing. Um and you've seen the compilation flying back flying about this week, um, all over the internet of his his World Cup performances, individual highlights. Um because there was some meme, wasn't there? Somebody's did something about like, you know, when a Spurs fan, it was like it was, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Rashford looking shocked into the camera and it was like, when a Spurs fan, no, it was Saliba, it was um, it was Arsenal players, wasn't it? It was Saliba and Declan Rice and I can't remember who else. And they were, they were sort of saying when a Spurs fan tries to bring up Romero in a conversation about... Um, Lissandra Martinez and Saliba. 
and then the response to that has been well you know let us know when either of those two have done this in the World Cup final I mean Lissandra Martinez did also play in the World Cup final I believe he played in the World Cup final or did he not maybe he didn't fuck I don't know don't care Christian Romero was absolutely fucking unbelievable that day and he was unbelievable today what a player what an absolute player Pedro Porro, the only yeah, there's going to be a bit of a negative, you know, only a little bit. Um, I felt like he looked like a bit of a liability in the first half, um, and I do worry about him in this back four. I do worry about him in the back four. He had that lovely shot that cannoned off the crossbar, um, but I felt like United knew that he was the player they could target to uh, to get the best of Spurs. But obviously, that didn't work in the second half, did it, lads? And like, hey, so you know. He's got a lot going for him, Pedro Porra. He's got a lot going for him. Um, so, it's what it is. He's a good player. I don't think he's a bad player. I just thought he looked like a bit of a liability in the first half. Oh, this is a bit I've been looking forward to. Eve Basuma. Just, I was talking about it before, but the fact we got him for 20-something million, unbelievable. Just, what a talent. What a player. He absolutely, I think he got man in the match from Sky as well. Just absolutely dominated the midfield. We're talking, he's coming up against Casemiro, a seasoned winner, a seasoned champion from Real Madrid. Who, yeah, okay, he's get, he's coming towards the end of his career now, but he's still, you know, he's still not a mug, is he? Um, Lee Basuma just absolutely, just completely dominated that midfield. Absolutely had it in his pocket. And I think we're going to keep saying, I think we just, and we should, because this is Antonio Conte's legacy. How he could not shelve his own ego or whatever bizarre, twisted issue he had with Basuma to not play him is just such a dereliction of duty. The fact we've had a player of that calibre, of that quality, doing next to nothing for a year is unbelievable. But equally, sometimes things just aren't a good fit, are they? Um, maybe it's not completely about Conte. Maybe in part, if Basuma could have done more. Who knows? All that we need to really focus on now is the fact that Ange Postacoglu and Eve Basuma obviously were together very well because Eve Basuma looks like a £110 million footballer, right? Like, if, if that's what we're talking about, if we're talking about Declan Rice, if we're talking about Moises Casido, Eve Basuma looks every bit as good, if not better, than either of them because, my word, my word. What what a performance. What a player. <sighs> Pape Matassar. Again. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And as as I tweeted, I think I'm drastically revising like my Pape Matassar timeline, if you like. How how soon or not we can expect him to be Amazing because I think he already looks it like the the lad already looks absolutely unbelievable. Um, he looks calm in possession. He's quick, like he's quick. The way he drives drives at the opposition defence. The way he moves the ball about. The way he can pick a pass. The way he can read sort of the runs of other players. But not only that, the way he gets back. 
Like he's got an engine on him. The way he gets back is tackling is phenomenal. Not only can he like nick the ball out from the feet of like opposition players, he can slide like fucking anything. Like unbelievable. And if he keeps up these type of performances, I mean, it is one of those things where, and I'm not even just saying this, I'm like, does Ben Tanker get straight back in the team? I mean, he does, let's be, let's be honest, once he's fully fit. But should he? I don't know. Because Papa Matasar, I mean, let's put it this way. I love Oliver Skip. I think he's, as I always say, I think he's a solid player that every single squad needs. Not a chance does he start over Papa Matasar on this evidence because the kid is unbelievable. What a finish. What a finish as well for his goal. Amazing, amazing, right? Because, and I'm not, I'm, I'm honestly, I've, I'm not just making this kind of lazy comparison. He, he looks like a Yaya Toure regen. Like that's the way he was playing today. Just had everything, absolutely everything. Just an all-round complete performance. Unbelievable. Like, kid is magic. Huminson, um. Much like I was saying last week, I think Sonny, yeah, okay, right, he didn't, you know, he he didn't score, he didn't kind of, I don't think he made an assist today, but he was always busy, he was always industrious, he was bringing the other players into play. He kept making space and opportunities for the likes of James Madison, for Eve Basuma, for Destiny Adoji. I think he was linking up fairly well with Richarlison at times. Um... I think the the negative side of that is mostly on Richarlison, but we'll get to that. Um, I thought it was a good performance from Huminson today. I did. I thought it was good. I thought it was a solid performance. I think maybe, again, this is one of those things where we need to start to reframe what it is that we expect from him, what it is that he does, because I thought he was, I thought he was good. Like I say, industrious made space, was making runs, was pulling the defenders towards him. Good good game. Well played. Dejan Kulisevsky. Um He had some promising moments. He did have some promising moments that sort of at least suggested that he's getting closer to where he used to be, right? That he's 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 getting back there. Um wasn't a vintage performance from him today, but still, like I say, maybe getting back there. Getting towards his kind of best. Um let's just give him a bit more time. Um it just seems to it just seems to be his final ball. That's the main thing, because I do think he's industrious. I do think he makes those decent surging runs down the wing, but it seems to be that he's just maybe lost that little like snap that means he just releases the ball that bit quicker or has has a shot and he did have one rasping shot as he settled into the game which was you know it was pleasant to see um but let's hope he's getting there he'll be getting there james madison 40 million pounds just let that sink in i mean what if kevin de bruyne had been out going after paqueta for 70 mil until Turns out that he's, you know, running some betting, allegedly running some betting syndicate or whatever, whatever the rumours are this week or the news, is they must be kicking themselves. The rest of the 
fucking league must be kicking themselves. Arsenal spent 65 mil on Kai Havertz. James Madison was right there. I mean, I don't know why it, we were so unopposed. Then there was that part of me thinking that maybe, yeah, as I said the other week, maybe it's because he's been a bit of a streaky player in the past. You know, maybe he goes missing from games a bit and maybe there's some doubts over his temperament or his personality or something that meant that we were top of the pile of teams that were interested in him and we, we got him as a as a product of that. But he seems to love it. I mean, if you listen to the fighting cock, you'll know. But if you don't, Flav on there keeps talking about somebody that he works with. You know, he does all his, you know, fan panel stuff and all this type of thing. Somebody there who knows James Madison pretty well just says that he is absolutely buzzing about Tottenham, that he's like, it's a proper club. He feels like he's come to a proper club, that there's something happening there. And he's very, very happy to be a part of it. Um, he it just looks phenomenal, doesn't he? Like, he looks absolutely sensational. He's He's got many of the kind of attributes that we had in somebody like Christian Eriksen, in the way in which he can pick a pass, the way in which he can read the play, his technical ability, his corner, his deliveries of the corners are obscene. Um, but his physicality, I think, he's so much quicker than I thought he was. And his dribbling is is unbelievable. His dribbling sensational. Um... I'm very excited about him. I mean, what a player. What a player. And he's clearly one of our captains. Well, he's he's literally one of our captains already. But you can see it on the pitch. You can see why. You can see why somebody like Anne just probably come in and think thought, I mean, he might be a new player to the team, but this, this lad can handle it. Because he's just sensational. That's amazing. What a performance. Um... And how exciting. I mean, Saar, Basuma, Madison. That is an exciting, exciting midfield. Um, and like we say, when Ben Tanker does come back, there's even more options. Lo Celso as well. He's kind of in the mix, maybe. Um, surprised we haven't seen more of him. I, I wonder if that hints towards the fact that He's still not fully sold on the vision, not fully sold on the project. Um, we know Angeli wants to work with players who are really want to be there. So I don't know. Who knows? That's just speculation. We don't need to talk about that right now. Um, Richarlison, I think he's going to need more time. I don't know. He was very, very upset to be taken off. He was very upset. And then by the end of it, it seemed like him and Saul were having a laugh on the bench. So that's fine. He's a passionate guy. Um... He just wasn't very good today, I don't think. And that's the only way I can really put it. It felt like he, you know, he just wasn't reading things in the same way that everybody else was. He wasn't moving into the right positions for, for anybody. He wasn't getting on the end of anything. The few chances he did get, like his touch didn't seem that great. I don't know. I really, really want it to come good for him. I really do. Obviously for Tottenham, but for him as a bloke, he seems like a nice guy and I quite, you know, I quite like a bit of what he has about him, but he just wasn't very good today. Um, 
and I don't know what more I can say than that. Pierre Mahoybier slotted straight into the midfield when he came on and looked very good. Who knows what his future is at Tottenham? Um, I don't know. You know, um, Emerson, not much, you know, not much time to see him um, on, but. As I said before, him and him and Poro, I think, will be largely rotated. We know what we're getting from him, and you feel that you know when we were getting towards the end of the game before we went. I think Emerson came on before we went two 0 up, as did Hoybier. Felt like that was Ange not playing anti football, but it was Ange bringing on two, at least two more defensively minded players to try and shore up the win to get that um, to get the W. Ben Davis as well, another example of that. Um, Destiny maybe was looking a bit tired. He'd put in a, a a shift and a half, and he's he's still young, you know, he's still young. You don't want to run him into the ground. Um, this is I tell you what, this is one other thing with the head injury, and just the way he speaks. The other thing I do like about Andrew Postecoglou, he seems like a, a good bloke. He seems like a responsible guy. He seems like a guy that understands the pressures on footballers and on their bodies and whatever. And he's not going to put winning a football match ahead of that. And I like that about him. So there we go. But Ben Davis, yeah, I think he put in a good shift as as you'd expect from Ben Davis. A solid kind of defensive performance when he came on. And obviously scored the goal. Um, you know, maybe it was a bit I'm sort of in the camp, I think it was a noggy, really, but we'll give it Ben Davis. Um because, you know, why not? Um he had that rasping shot, didn't he, later on as well. I went into the into the defence of Manchester United too. Even Perisic in this system, a man reborn, great. He wasn't on for long, but made made the second goal, looked dangerous, instantly looks like he's more at home playing in an attacking system, in an attacking position like that. Why Antonio Conte signed him and made him do the defensive kind of work that he did these past years, this past year, who knows? But... Good. Doesn't sound like he's going anywhere. Fantastic. Let's hope players can learn from him. Manos Solomon came on, you know, didn't, you know, whatever. He was barely on the pitch at all, so was not much to report. Um, I am, you know, it is quite interesting to see him not getting more time and not featuring more yet, but I'm sure, you know, he will as the season progresses. But that's pretty much it. What a performance. Fantastic. Let's see more and more and more of this, please, Tottenham. Um, amazing. Not only do you get to enjoy watching Tottenham, they they win as well. Um, so yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support with the pod. Do have a Patreon out now, patreon.com slash rtrpod. On there, I've got a preview, um, which is much like this, the sort of solo thing where I look forward to the game as opposed to talking about it after the fact and the past few weeks uh, I've well past two weeks I've gotten on an opposition fan for a section a sort of 10-15 minute section as well to predict the game that might not be possible for every single opposition team but you know more and more people have these kind of social channels and stuff nowadays so it might be a bit easier than when we used to do it back in the day um so yeah, we've got that Thursday. I do a little fifth. Do a twenty-minute bulletin with Phil, 
um, where we just go through the news stories that have occurred throughout the week. Just do it in bite-sized, bulletin-like fashion. Um, a lot less of a waffle, a more straight down to the point, few kind of opinions. A few people who have listened to that actually quite like it. They quite like having that kind of bite-sized thing to get their teeth into. Um, we've also got a monthly podcast with my friend Jack. He's not a Spurs fan. He's a Derry City fan, Juventus fan. Playwright, football writer, funny guy, um, called the Robbie Keane Ultras, where he's going to give an outsider's view every month on how he thinks Spurs are doing. First uh, first episode came out pre-season, um, and I believe, if yeah, I believe the next episode should be next week um, or maybe a week. Oh, I don't know. I can't. Remember. I can't, can't look at a calendar at the moment. But yeah, um, and there'll be some more bits and bobs to come throughout the season. I want to do some more sort of longer form documentary style stuff maybe if i get the time or whatever but i've got i've got some thoughts i'm ruminating on that so yeah rtr what is it patreon.com slash rtr pod um but yeah if you you know if, if you can't do that that's absolutely fine understand it understand what it's like right now um so please if you can just support the pod in another way which is to share it to retweet the you know the tweets and i put them out Send it to your mate who's a Spurs fan. Say, listen to this melt. Or put it on Reddit. Wherever, you know, wherever you can share stuff. Just share it, please. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Lovely to see the podcast grow more this year. Um, and I also do these as like little video things on YouTube now as well. So you can, you know, marvel at my ugly mug. Hello, if you are watching at the moment. Um, anyway. Come on, you Spurs! A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.